I am going to break from our routine. I felt very strongly this morning, last night, the Holy Ghost. I was trying to study our passage of Romans, where we are, and I'm really enjoying that. I really, really was looking forward to teaching what I feel like is the the theme, the thesis of the entire book this morning. But God kept pressing me in another direction, and I kept being stubborn. Like I'm, I'm just a man, flesh and bone, and I'm prone to do that sometimes. Finally, I succumb to what I feel like is the direction that God wants us to go this morning. And I want to read two verses of Scripture, Judges chapter 15. I'm going to read verses 18 and 19. We'll stay standing for the reading of the Word. Judges 15, 18, and 19. I believe this service. I don't mean this to sound like a cliche. I believe this service was crafted by the hand of God for you. I believe this service was divinely appointed and divinely structured, put together. I don't believe there's anybody under the sound of my voice that's in this place by accident. I don't believe there's anybody under the sound of my voice that's here by chance. I don't think it was circumstance that brought you to this house. I believe that God wants to move in your life. And I'd ask you, I, I won't be real long today, but I ask you for the next few moments to give your attention to the Word of God. Judges chapter 15, beginning of verse 18, it says, And he was sore athirst, and called on the Lord, and said, Thou hast given this great deliverance unto the hand of thy servant. Now shall I die for thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised. But God clave a hollow place that was in the jaw, and there came water thereout. And when he had drunk, his spirit came again, and he revived. Wherefore he called the name thereof. And Hakor, which is in Lehi, unto this day. I want to preach for a few moments from that that verse, that word in the Hebrew that means the criers well. Would you pray with me, Lord Jesus? I love you. I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for the presence of God that I feel in this house right now. And I'm asking, Lord, that you allow that same sweet spirit that is coursing through this place to begin to speak into hearts and into lives. Lord, there's a work that you desire to do in this place this morning, Lord. There is a work that you have long desired to do in hearts and lives that are in this place today. And I'm asking right now for the unction and the anointing of the Holy Ghost, Lord, to take over this service, Lord. Have your way in this house. And we give you all the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. Would you say amen? Amen. You may be seated. Judges chapter 15 contains the incredible story of Samson's victory that was won with the jawbone of a donkey. Many of us remember that story from Sunday school. It is the fight that ends with heaps upon heaps, a thousand men who are slain by the jawbone of a donkey. A discarded piece of bone becomes a weapon. The story itself is a great testimony of 
the blessings and deliverance of God in the face of seemingly insurmountable odds. It starts with Samson's betrayal by his own countrymen. Samson agrees to allow 3,000 of his fellow countrymen to bind him with new ropes and deliver him to the Philistines. And when he comes to a place called Lehi, the Philistines come shouting out to meet him because they are sure of the fact that their hated and feared enemy has been delivered into their hands. But then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. And the ropes that were on his arms became as flax that had caught fire. And his bonds melted off of his hands. And Samson, when he was set free from the bonds that were supposed to disable him, having no weapon with which to meet a thousand warriors who came to kill him, Samson picks up the jawbone of a donkey. And using that discarded piece of bone as a weapon, he slew 1,000 Philistines. It is a tremendous testimony of God's delivering power when Samson quite literally had nothing with which to defend himself. God turned the discarded jawbone into a formidable weapon. There's a great testimony there. But I want to direct your attention this morning to the events that followed Samson's great victory. After the battle was over, after the enemy was slain, after there were heaps upon heaps that littered that battlefield that day, Samson was exhausted. After he threw away the jawbone, after the fighting was finished, Samson came to the place, Judges 15 and 18 tells us, he was sore athirst. It was the natural effect of the tremendous heat of the day and, and the great effort that he had exerted in the fight for his life. It was early in the chapter, tells us it was the time of the wheat harvest. It was a hot season. It was a dry season. And this one man has just fought a battle against an entire army. And when he finally finds a pause in the fighting, when he finally finds that respite, that moment of peace in the middle of the battlefield he discovers that he is exhausted he discovers that he is dehydrated that he is on the verge of fainting he is on the verge of of dying from lack of water the bible tells me that he was so weak and so weary that he felt for sure that this great victory that god had given him was about to be turned into an even greater defeat. He believed that he was about to die for thirst and fall into the hands of the very Philistines that he had defeated. I want to be honest with you this morning. Many times in my life, I've been in places where it was easier to identify with the Samson that we find in verse 18 than the Samson who sung his victory song just a few verses earlier. I know what it is to experience great victories. I know what it is to stand where Samson stood when he named that 
heal that place of the battle, the heal of the jawbone, that it would never be forgotten what God had done. I know what it is to see the wonderful deliverance of God, to see God bring out of ordinary circumstances, the ordinary things of life, great miracles and great wonderful power. I know what it is to see the deliverance of the hand of God. I've been there when seemingly insignificant things like the discarded jawbone of a donkey have resulted in great battles won and tremendous victories declared. That's just the kind of God that I serve. He makes something good come out of the ordinary stuff that life gives us. He makes something good come out of those terrible moments that we find ourselves in, those moments where defeat turns into victory, where tragedy becomes triumph. Those are the sources of some of the greatest testimonies that we have. And when we all get together, we begin to tell the goodness of God. Those are the stories that we tell. But I must be honest with you this morning. More often than not, I quickly find myself back in the place where Samson was in verse 18. The celebration of my victories is often a fleeting thing. Life has a way of intruding on the euphoria of battles that have been won. Before you really get a chance to bask in the glow of victory, it fades. And the harsh reality of life sets in. How quickly the Sunday night shouts is transformed into a Monday morning struggle. How quickly our victories are swallowed up by the ever-present struggles of this life. Uh, How quickly does the mountaintop descend into the deep, dark valley? And so often in Scripture, trouble comes on the heels of success. No sooner had the Israelites crossed the Red Sea than we find that they are hungry and they are thirsty, and they are discontented with the wonderful miracle that God has wrought to bring them to that place. Elijah's victory at Mount Carmel was followed by the humiliating flight to Mount Horeb as he run for his life. I've been there many times, more often than I could ever tell. Distress comes on the heels of decisive victory trials seem to stalk in the shadows of triumph. Samson celebrated. He sung of the deliverance of God, but his victory celebration didn't last very long. In just a moment's time, life reminded him that he was only a man, and his flesh was thirsty, and he needed water, or else he would die. When Samson found himself thirsty and needy, verse 18 tells us that he called upon the Lord. And what happened next was even more incredible than the victory that was won with the jawbone of a donkey. The text says that God clave a hollow place that was in the jaw. Now apparently you can interpret that several ways. The 
King James Version seems to lend itself to the idea that God clave a place in the jawbone that Samson had discarded. But other translations lean more towards the idea that God clave a place in some prominent feature of that land where Samson was. But really to argue the point is only to serve to distract from the truth of the matter. The truth is that God worked a miracle. The truth is that God made a way by miraculous means in an unlikely place to produce springs of water when Samson needed them. The truth is that when Samson lifted his voice to God in the moment of despair, in that moment of seeming defeat, in that moment when exhaustion overtook him, when he lifted his voice to heaven, uh, God made a resource for him right where he was to satisfy his thirst, to revive his spirit. When Samson felt like he was dying of thirst, when he felt like he was going to be overcome by his enemies, when his circumstances seemed to be just about to overwhelm him, Samson cried out to God. And God heard his cry and answered with springs of life-giving, living water. It amazes me how often in the most unlikely of places God provides springs of refreshing. It never seems, it always seems to come when I least expect it. When I'm not looking for it, when I, it seems as if life is overwhelming me and I don't know where I'm going to go and I don't know what I'm going to do. And in the normal fabric of an average ordinary life, uh, God steps in uh, and he rends the fabric in two and his glory comes shining through. may be in the car driving down the highway. It may be shut up in a closet at work somewhere or in hidden away in a hospital room somewhere. But in the most unlikely of places, God causes springs of living water to flow into our lives. My Bible tells me in Judges chapter 15 and verse 19 that when he drank from the spring, his spirit returned. And he revived. His spirit was revived within him. He was refreshed. He was replenished by this spring of water that sprung up in this unlikely place. And when Samson discovered God's refreshing in that desolate place, he named it an Hakor, which means, that's Hebrew, what the translation is the well of him that cried or more simply the crier's well the name in and of itself is a testimony it's Samson's way of saying in this place here at the scene of this battle here at this this low point in my life I cried out to God I called upon his name. I lifted my voice to heaven and he heard my cry and he answered me with springs of water. That's just like my God. When I cry out to him, 
He hears my cry. When I call upon his name, he's faithful. I don't deserve it. I'm not worthy of it. I've never been good enough to merit the faithfulness of God. But when I call on him, he's faithful. It doesn't matter where I've been. It doesn't matter what I've done. It doesn't matter the road I've walked. It doesn't matter the tragedies that lie behind me. When I call his name. Oh, I gotta tell somebody in this place, you're never gonna earn the goodness of God. You're never gonna earn the favor of God. You're never gonna earn the blessings of God. It's by His grace. It's by His mercy. It's because of His great love for you. That He hears your voice when you cry. We want to come to God on the merit of our goodness we want to come to God on the merit of our faithfulness we want to stand and say God I've served you I've been good I've done right I've been faithful and we want to somehow believe that because of all of that God will hear us when we cry the problem with that is we find ourselves in places where we haven't been faithful we find ourselves in places where we haven't done right We find ourselves in circumstances that we got there by our own hand. We did it. There's nobody else to blame. And in that place, uh, if the call, if the answer of God depends upon me, if it depends on my goodness, if it depends on my faithfulness, I've got no hope. But when I cry out to Him, when I call on His name, when I lift my voice to Him, He hears me. And he responds to me. And he answers me. And it's not because I deserve it. And it's not because I'm good enough. And it's not because something in my life merits it. It's just because he loves me. So Samson lifts his voice from a battlefield. From a desolate place. In a trying time calls out to God and God hears him. Psalm is said in Psalm 121 in my distress in my distress it's easy to call to God when you're not in distress it's easy to call to God when you think you've got a foundation of righteousness and faithfulness to stand upon It's easy to call out to God when you don't think you've done anything wrong and when you think your life is going smooth sailing. It's easy to call, but David said, from my distress, from that hurting place, from that desperate place, from that desolate place, from that broken place, I cried out to God and he heard me. I want to tell you this morning that if you'll cry out to the Lord out of your despair, if you cry out to God out of your desperation, if you cry out to God from that desolate, broken place, uh, He will hear you, not because of what you've done, not because of anything good in you. He will hear you because He loves you in spite of what you've done. Uh, He loves you in spite of who you are. He loves you in spite of the road that you walked. He will hear your cry. 
No matter how feeble the voice is, no matter how weak the cry may seem, no matter how reluctant your spirit within you is to believe, if you'll just lift your voice to Him. Listen. The testimony of the name that Samson Great gave to that well is that it is the cry that opens the mountain. It is the cry that looses the refreshing. It's not the merit. It's not the man. It's not the situation. It's not the all the stuff. It's the cry that opens the fountain. I want you to pay special attention today to the end of verse 19. Because the historian that is writing this story takes special care to note the fact that this place of refreshing called the crier's well still exists in Lehi unto this day. I want you to know this morning that there's still a spring at a place called Lehi. There's still a place of refreshing in Lehi. It wasn't just a temporary thing that God did for Samson. It wasn't just a temporary thing that happened once upon a time, a long, long time ago in a foreign distant land somewhere. It wasn't just something that God did somewhere along the way. It was a lasting refreshing for anybody who will cry unto the Lord from a place called Lehi. Let me tell you what Lehi is. Lehi is a place where the Philistines assembled to capture Samson. It is the place where Samson was supposed to be delivered into their hands. Samson, bound by his own countrymen, was wrapped up like a like a gift that would be delivered to the Philistines. And it was at Lehi where they were supposed to overtake him. It was at Lehi where they were going to mock him. They were going to torment him. They were going to destroy him. They were going to bring his life to an end at Lehi. Sometimes we find ourselves uh, in Lehi. Sometimes we find ourselves in places where we are overwhelmed by an enemy that intends to destroy us. Sometimes uh, we find ourselves weak and weary and bound uh, as the enemy of our soul celebrates our demise. Sometimes we find ourselves in that place at the treachery of the hands of our own brothers and sisters. That's how Samson got there. His own nation would deliver him to their enemy. Sometimes it's not your fault. Sometimes somebody wounds you. You you didn't have any control over it. And that bitterness and that hurt brings you to that valley where your enemy intends to destroy you. But can I remind you this morning that there exists unto this day a spring in Lehi. There exists unto this way, this day, a well of water for those that will cry out to God. There's a refreshing on that battlefield. Uh, there's fresh strength uh, in the middle of the struggle. There is a crier's well for those that will cry out to the Lord. 
Lehi is located in the southwestern part of Judah, the lowlands. It is a valley. It is a lowland. It is one of those dry, barren, desolate places. You know the ones I'm talking about. The places where you pray and it seems as if the heavens are brass. The places where you can't seem to get any traction, where everything seems to be going against you, where everything seems to be falling apart, where everything seems to be going wrong. Those places where trouble and sorrow are your constant companions. Those valleys where hope wanes and defeat looms. It was the valley that was supposed to destroy him. It was the valley where the enemy intended to bind him, blind him, and rob him of his victory. I want you to know today that Lehi was supposed to be a place of defeat. But God caused a well of refreshing to spring up in a valley of defeat. God caused a well of renewal, springs of fresh water. Springs of reviving to spring up in a place that was supposed to crush, that was supposed to utterly defeat Samson. And the best part of that story is the fact that it is still there. If you find yourself in a valley this morning, I've got a word from God for you. If you find yourself in a desperate, desolate place in your life, I've got a word from the throne of heaven. God interrupted my life. He interrupted your life. He interrupted our plan for this service today. He interrupted our expository study through Romans uh, because I've got a word from the throne of heaven. There is in a valley called Lehi, a spring of refreshing called the crier's well. There is a place where you can tap into uh, a strength, uh, a renewing, uh, where your spirit will be revived with in you there's a place that you can go in the middle of your valley where your spirit will be revived there exists in lehi to this day a place called the crier's well the literal meaning of lehi is somewhat uncertain according to harper's bible dictionary some translators read it as in a troop kind of sounds like the place where David was when he said, Thou preparest a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. Samson was in Lehi in the middle of a troop. It was a place where the enemy was gathered together. It was going to destroy him. It was going to, it was going to be his undoing. Yet in that place, God provided springs of refreshing. I come to tell somebody in this place this morning that even when it seems as if your enemy has you surrounded, even when it seems like there's trouble on every side, it seems like life is pressing in on you. You're in the middle of a troop. Uh, you, you don't know where to turn. There is no safety. Uh, everything that you've leaned on and everything that you depended on and everything that you've carried, all of it changed. Uh, all of it's gone away. Everywhere you turn uh, and everywhere you look, uh, there's nothing but trouble. There's nothing but despair. Uh, there's nothing but that pressing, haunting defeat uh, and discouragement. Uh, that's a valley called Lehi. But I got to tell you, uh, if you lift your voice to heaven, uh, if you call on the name uh, of Jesus, uh, there's a place of refreshing in your valley. I've got a message from the Lord for your life today. When you find yourself weak, when you find yourself weary, when you find yourself dying of thirst, 
there is a spring. When you're surrounded by a troop, when you're in a, a valley of defeat, there is a spring. It's called the crier's well. And it is opened by the sound of your cry. Had Samson not cried unto the Lord, he would have died. Had Samson not lifted his voice to heaven, those things that were about to overwhelm him would have destroyed him. He would have faltered and he would have fallen had he not recognized that he could not do it on his own. Make no mistake about it. This was a serious situation. Samson was about to die. But then he cried out to the a well sprung up right in the middle of his valley of defeat. I want you to know in this house this morning there's still a well. There's still a place. There's still a place that is opened up by the sound of your voice when you cry out to God in the middle of your dilemma. When you cry out to God in the middle of your circumstance, God opens springs of refreshing that will revive your spirit. It's called the crier's well. And it's still there to this day. I want to encourage you this morning to find the rest that exists in the middle of your valley of defeat. I want to encourage you this morning. You can't do this on your own. You can't do this on your own. You can do a lot of things on your own. You're self-sustaining, you're self-sufficient, and, and you've got an opinion of yourself that you can, your, your shoulders are broad and you can handle this. But let me tell you something, my friend. You can't do this on your own. I come to encourage you to lift your voice to heaven and to drink from the well that exists in the lowlands of your life. When you lift your voice, when you cry out to Him, it looses a flow. It's not the words you say. It's not knowing how to say the right thing. It's not. It's just crying out to God. It's just saying, God, I need you. I need your help. I need your refreshing. I need a strength that only comes from you. I need you to do in my life what only you can do. When you call out to Him, it releases that flow of heaven's life-giving, living water that revives you. Isaiah chapter 41 verse 17 says, When the poor and needy seek water and there is none, and their tongue faileth, thirst I the Lord will hear them I the God of Israel will not forsake them the Lord goes on to promise in the next verse I will open rivers in high places 
and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I'll make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. The truth of the crier's well is that the Lord will hear you if you'll call out to him. The Lord will reach you no matter where you are, no matter what terrain in your life you find yourself in. He'll open fountains uh, in the middle of valleys. Uh, He'll cause rivers to flow on mountains. He'll turn wilderness uh, into pools of water. He'll turn dry land uh, into springs of water if you'll call on His name. I want to be very transparent. Weakness, discouragement, and even depression is familiar to all of us. Even the strongest among us struggles with feelings of inadequacy, with weariness from the battles, with those raw human moments when we feel like we might die right where we're standing. When we just know that we can't make it. When we just want to toss in the towel and quit. Those moments when the pressure just gets to be too much. The, the, the little thing that just pushes it all over the edge. That seemingly insignificant moment whenever all of the doubt and all of the fear and all of the confusion, all of it just becomes too much. You want to lift your hand to heaven and say, Why? Why me? Why here? Why now? The landscape of our lives is populated with both mountains and valleys. Our struggles are very real. Our frustrations seem at times as if they would overwhelm us. Our fears will not be denied and our confidence wanes as the battle stretches on. Can I tell you something? Samson's thirst was the product of the fight. He was thirsty. He was weak. And he was weary. And he was just about to die because of the battle. So often that's where we find ourselves. Sooner or later, the constant fight against a determined enemy becomes more than we can bear. Sooner or later, we, we lose our joy in the middle of the battle and we begin to despair for our very lives. Sooner or later, the relentless nature of the struggle, the repetitive cycle of highs and lows and ups and downs drains us of the very resource that sustains us. Sooner or later, our humanity breaks through and we find ourselves in despair, ready just to throw up our hands and quit. More often than not, that feeling alone serves to amplify our struggle. Not only are we weak, not only are we weary, not only are we wounded, but now we feel as if we failed. 
now we feel as if we've crossed some line, as if by, by, by wanting to quit, as if by feeling that despair, somehow we've gone to a place where there is no redemption, where we can't get back. That's exactly where Samson was. And I believe that God put him there on purpose. I believe that God put him there for a reason. Because I believe that God was reinforcing a principle that day at Lehi. Samson needed to know that in spite of his strength, in spite of his anointing, in spite of his past successes, he couldn't win this battle on his own. He needed God. In spite of the fact uh, that he can pick up the jawbone of a donkey and he can slay every enemy that meets him on the battlefield, he can't win this thing on his own. He needs the refreshing that only God can give him. He needed the help and the strength that only comes from heaven. So when he lifted his voice, when he lifted his cry to heaven, when he finally lifts his eyes to the Lord, that's when his help comes. Because that's where his strength comes. I'm coming to a close, and I want to minister to somebody in this place this morning. You are weak. You are weary. You are tired. Despair has been your companion. This isn't the normal Sunday morning stuff. I realize that. This wasn't my plan. This is God's plan. There is people under the sound of my voice. There are people right now that I'm talking to you and your heart has leapt inside your chest because you know that you know that you know what I'm talking about. Uh, you know what it is to be weak. Uh, you know what it is to be weary. You know what it is to feel that despair, that darkness come closing in on you. The battle has overwhelmed you and the struggle has left you empty and broken and you don't know what to do and you feel like you're going you're gonna to fail. You feel like uh, you're about to stumble and fall. You feel as if you're about to be overcome. I need to tell you this morning, you can't make it on your own. You can't overcome this enemy in your own strength. This is one fight that you can't win on the sheer strength of willpower alone. This is one fight that your indomitable spirit is not going to overcome. You need the refreshing that only God can give. You need the help that only God can give. You need to visit the choir's well. You need to lift your voice to heaven and let God do something in your life that you can't get anywhere else from anything else. Would you stand with me right now? Help. It's just a call away. It's got to be the most overused marketing slogan in the whole world. Everybody from plumbers to painters to EMTs wants you to know help is just a call away. But the risk of sounding like a cliche, I've got to tell you in this place this morning, 
Hold up on that There's a deep, deep fountain. A refreshing flowing from this house. There is a deep well of living water springing up in this place. There is a revival. A reviving of the spirit. A reviving of the soul. There's a spirit of God right now that is ushered forth into this house, is flowing down these aisles, moving through these pews. Uh, this atmosphere is thick right now with the presence of God. And I've got to tell you, your help isn't a few feet away. It isn't a, a few pews away. It isn't a few rows away. It isn't any distance at all away. Your help is just a cry away. Your help is just a call away. If you lift your voice to Him, there is a well in this house this morning. There is something bubbling just under the surface of your life, just under the surface of everything that's going on that is opened up by the sound of your cry. There is a spring that will spring up. No matter what you need from God, no matter what it is that you need God to do in your life, if you need strength, if you need refreshing, if you need, there are some people that need revival. You just need your spirit to be revived. You've lost that optimism that drives your soul. You've lost that optimism that, that compels you. You're, you're losing forward momentum because you've lost the thing that compels you into the future. You've lost that, that drive and that desire. You've let things in this world and this life and the struggles and, the, and all the stuff that's happened in your life has robbed you of something that is vital to you. And God wants to restore it in this house. God wants to restore it to you right in the middle of your valley. Your spirit can be revived in this place. All you've got to do is lift your voice. It's something anybody can do. The very weakest and weariest can call, can cry out to God. David said, I cried out to him in my despair. It doesn't matter how weak the cry is. It doesn't matter how faint the cry is. He will hear you. This morning the altar is open if you want to come to an altar. But what separates you from God is not a distance. What separates you from the blessing of God is not the walk down that aisle. It is the cry. And I would encourage you wherever you are in this auditorium this morning, would you lift your voice to heaven right now? Would you tell him, Lord, I need you? I need you, Jesus. I've been too proud to admit it. I've been too fearful.